Hello and welcome to Game Pass Forever, a standalone segment of the Outstanding Outside is Overrated podcast. Each month we dive into a new game off the Xbox Game Pass lineup as voted on by our Patreon supporters. This segment exists because of the generous support of our backers on Patreon. If you enjoy this content, please visit patreon.com OIO and pledge $2 a month to support the show. Outside is Overrated is presented by Premier Health. Check out their website at premierhealthmn.com. That's premierhealthmn as in minnesota.com. I'm your host, Tom Logic, and joining me tonight are the Hobby Box, Joe Burns. hey And Dr. C, Casey Aline. Hey, what's going on, everybody? For June's Game Pass Forever game, we played Loop Hero by Russian developer Four Quarters. Released in March 2021, Loop Hero has a Metacritic rating of 82 on PC. The core gameplay loop, your hero walks, auto walks in a long loop fighting slimes. Slimes drop loot cards that you can place on the board. New cards unlock environments and new enemies. You constantly swap out gears, you battle enemies, and collect resources. Each time you complete a loop, you choose whether to return to camp or press on to the boss. In between loops, you spend resources to build new areas of your base or upgrade facilities. Between runs, you can also edit the deck of cards and choose a hero type. Casey, you put this thing up and didn't play it until yesterday. <laughs> Why exactly do you hate OIO listeners? So, uh, before, you know, like, I didn't play games, evidently, and, and now I don't play them enough. I don't really get it. What's going on Nothing is ever enough with Tom. Uh, it sounds like it, yeah. Speaking but. of that, how's Kingdom Hearts coming, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> like there's like two other games we're playing for the podcast by uh-huh, the time we uh-huh, get there. So. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So let's start with the uh, uh, strongest element of Loop Hero, the story. You play as an amnesiac hero. You take on a handful of bosses. There's a couple of random townsfolks with a couple of lines of dialogue. Joey, did you care about the story in Loop Hero? I mean, I thought it was I thought it was fine. It was interesting. Fine um, and interesting. That is high praise for this game. <laughs> I, so until I saw this in the show notes, like I didn't really have an issue with the story in this game. So I'm I'm curious since you seem to have all the quibbles about it. Uh, what 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 is it that you think is just an abomination that is this game's story? Okay, abomination is a strong word. I was openly hostile towards the story <laughs> in this game, and it just didn't do anything for me. Like. Uh, the world has forgotten everything. So you're playing as this amnesiac hero who doesn't know anything about anything, uh, which was a hilarious episode of Bluey, but that's uh, <laughs> that's another topic for another discussion. Uh, and just all the dialogue all just fell flat for me. It's like amnesiac hero runs into a boss, and it's like, oh, I'm doing this because God tells me to. It's like, oh, well, I don't want to be exterminated. And then he runs into the next boss who's doing it for another reason. He's like, oh, well, I still don't want to be exterminated. So maybe I'm just being a touch overly dramatic here, but I didn't think the story was interesting, noteworthy, or good. It didn't even reach like my minimum threshold for an acceptable status for a story for a game. Also, for instance, I think the pieces that caught my attention more than anything was because um, I only I only beat the first boss, the Lich, and uh, like once you face the Lich, he says some things that are just interesting about like his role in how things are the way they are and that they needed to happen that way for some reason or another. So I thought that was intriguing in that 
kind of wanted that that drove me to try to see more of what was going on uh in the game and and so i think there's nuggets of stuff in there it's not a story dominated game by any stretch of the imagination uh and it, and, and it wasn't trying to be it's like this is russian level storytelling you get what story we give you it be little story but it be the, it be all it is you know i mean so i so like that's why it was it made lots of sense like when you said it was a russian developer it's like what you do in game you walk in circle you fight things that come out they get harder life is gets harder as you go on but it's same every time yeah so is that like all that war and pieces i don't know i've never read war and peace yeah that's a tolstoy novel though right uh maybe yeah i know about this earth i know some cultural reference <laughs> casey uh, i guess you're the tiebreaker here did the story do much for you i thought the story was fine like, ah. it, it didn't it's not the main driving force bet- for why i wanted to continue playing the game but i felt like it was a good enough backdrop for what was going on like it, it kept me interested there's different things that were piquing my interest as, as it goes on like why after you beat the lich are you the only one that remembers that he came down from the sky i don't know if you ever find anything out like, like why the townsfolk don't seem to have any idea what the heck is going on and why you're the only one that does that but like that that's interest me and then yeah just i don't know like i said it's not the it's not the main reason i like the game but it's not game breaking for me yeah, I got to a point where every time everyone said something, I was just hitting A as fast as I could to try to <laughs> progress. What in the world? Like, I, like, I don't understand how it made you so openly hostile. Was it just like frustration with other aspects of the game no, that I'm... led you to take it out on the dialogue bu- bubbles and just like... <laughs> I think that the dialogue bubbles were just the weak part of the game. And I was with you to the Lich. Like, I thought the Lich, I'm like, oh, okay, pretty interesting. All right, then I got to the second boss. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's... Uh, strong take from a different archetype of character third boss another strong take from another archetype of character and like it did, i guess nothing seemed to actually work together it's just Got it. a bunch of random things that a bunch of random people that i didn't care about say well the one thing i will say is that it gets to a point so it gets to a point after a while that you get because everything with the story is tied into developing the town or fighting a boss and or or fighting like a new type of monster or or enemy type so like when you when you first spawn the bandits they say stuff to you when you first spawn uh the vampires they'll say something to you and then that's it um unless something triggers more of those discussions to happen later on in the game so if you get stuck not really developing much in your town for a while like you just don't get any story there's like nothing to learn about things because you're not actually changing the world at all and so that would be a detriment but that's a little bit less on the story and a little bit more just on i guess my experiences with the gameplay i guess i would argue that having unlocked every card or every uh building in town and facing i think the majority of enemies like there's just nothing interesting there okay well that's that's (laughs) that's uh unfortunate (laughs) i wouldn't say i hated it with a burning fiery passion but it was it was down the street from that see if i was in if if you were me in my boots and i was in your boots tom would say to you you hated this game with a burning fiery passion yeah that's why i preempted it yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) if i'd be me then you'd be if i if you were me then i'd be you then i'd use your body to reach the top 
<laughs> you couldn't stop me no matter who you are. <laughs> Casey, did the monster slaying make up for the story? Also, uh, I've seen Ace Ventura. That was a movie reference. <laughs> that was for you. <laughs> Thank you. Ace Ventura is a fantastic movie. It's been ages since I've seen it. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we know that we don't, that, that we don't, we know that I don't play games. actually Ace Ventura too, which sucked. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I don't, I don't play games, right? So, uh, I'm pretty sure this is the first game where I've ever played um, where the combat is is auto combat. Have you played any kind of auto runner like Temple Run or the Mario one or like there's been other like auto runners that have captured mm-hmm. the public attention, right? No, yeah. and like uh, what's the one that Vampire Survivors? Survivors, like I never played that one. Not an auto runner, auto battler, not an auto runner. But still, like the it's no it's, you're millions just, of miles of difference. <laughs> you're still just upgrading your guys and doing stuff, and basically just running in a circle while it does it for you. But anywho, like the, the thing that makes this game fun and, and interesting for me was just adapting to every single loop. So when when your <clears throat> new loop loop starts. The shape of it and and the different cards and everything that you select how to lay those out on on the board uh that was interesting and then you know just trying to not overwhelm your hero but still provide uh you with enough resources for for what you need um to build the next square in your town uh that was kind of fun and challenging and then creating different builds with the random items given to you i think kept it fun and, and and interesting too yeah, I, so I, I would say that, like, initially, that definitely carried the day for me as well. And I did really enjoy playing through it for that first, like, five-ish hours of the game uh, up until when I, you know, beat the Lich, finished the first loop, started the second loop, and unlocked the third class. It was like, okay, this is awesome. Like, I'm getting into this and everything like that. And it ground to a halt at that point for me. And uh, I think there wasn't anything that was changing with the game once I tried out the two other classes a few times. And it felt like, I don't know, that's where the game started to break down into just a grind for me. Where it's like, okay, well, I just run around and then I either choose to jump out of the loop and retain what little resources I gained in those few loops or risk it one more time around to get the legitimate amounts of resources that I maybe need to develop things. And, you know, there's a good chance I die before I get to the end of the loop and I get like jack squat for resources and then I try it again. Uh, You get 30% of your resources. Yeah. Could be worse. Could be a quarter. It could be worse. But so like, that's the thing. There's like no in between. It's like, if you start the loop, that's all you really get unless leaving the loop unless i didn't notice that leaving the loop on your own accord actually nets you a few more resources than if you die 60 percent. oh see it's not it wasn't super clear to me and i think like it's just really hard to tell what all of the resources are it was brutal did you unlock the building that gave you the encyclopedia no yeah, so eventually there's an encyclopedia and it has like all the monsters, it has all the resources in it. But even once I had that unlocked, it was still a pain in the butt to find out what was what each of the icons meant, who would drop it. And it's like, I need to play on PC where I could hover over stuff because it plays 
mostly fine on console. And I played mm-hmm. it on PC, I played it on Xbox, I played it on Steam Deck. It, mostly fine on console, but the controls, this was definitely a computer game, and it's easier to just mouse wherever you need to mouse, because on a controller, you need to hold left trigger to place your like uh, cards, you hold right trigger to place your items from your inventory onto your character, and then in town, you kind of use everything. Yeah. Um, and you I didn't have to use that, though. Oh? Did no. you just smash your screen with your controller or what? <laughs> I just used my joystick like a mouse. To hover over yeah, it. Yeah, I just hovered things. over it and selected it and then went up there instead of using the yeah. right trigger, left trigger. Huh. Because I found it really frustrating to play that way. I no Which idea. works <laughs> like on the main screen, like the main gameplay screen when you're actually in the loop. Um, I found that the controls were fine through that aspect of it and you get used to it enough. Um, but on the menu, like when you're back in town... And you're having to bounce between like the menu where you either go to the expedition or you try to build. That was where it just got to be just cumbersome to switch between those two. It's like, oh, okay, I got to hit B to back out to get to that menu as opposed to the other one where it was, you know, you get used to it. Like left stick is to select the things down for your cards and the right stick was to select the stuff that's in the menu side on the right side of the screen to equip your stuff. So I don't know why... I don't know why it did this like sort of change in how it needed to control on that screen. Um, and it's hard. I mean, trying to change things from, you know, just a mouse selecting things and dragging them to where they need to go. It's hard to translate that into how you're like accessing stuff with a controller. But like in the menu, you can't even get over to the right side using the joystick. It just stops right at the menu. And so you have to be like, OK, I got to exit out to go to this and blah, blah, blah. Hard, yes, I'm sure it is hard, but possible. Darkest Dungeon mapped wonderfully to a controller. That was much more involved in like every aspect. Well, no, wonderfully. I was going to say, I don't know if I go to wonderfully, but it was well enough. Yeah, it was better than this. I thought the monster slaying was pretty fun. I thought the push your luck mechanic was pretty fun. And I had a very up and down experience with this game. Burns, I was right with you through that first five or six hours and through even the first two boss fights. I was really having a lot of fun. And then, like, I needed specific resources to either level up my buildings in town or to build new buildings and that got to be such a slog and i wound up realizing that i could reliably survive five loops and it was usually on that sixth loop that i died so i'm like all right five loops peace out and it's like that's not a super fun way to play a game it's like grind out five loops as fast as it got to the point where i wasn't even paying attention to gear anymore yeah it's like Mm -hmm. oh put up the highest number and the orangest gear just like doesn't matter. I'm probably going to survive this run anyways. I need this wood, so let's uh, <laughs> just get this run done. And maybe we're going to lock the next building and actually have fun again. Yeah, because that's where I bogged down is trying to get enough resources. And it's really just one resource type that I need to get to, but I'm still like seven behind on it. Um, and was it wood or was it the... Uh... It's some conglomeration of resources that once you collect them, it makes one thing and you have to do it. Like It's one of the circle things with like an arrow on it or whatever. Lord friggin' knows what it actually is. Um I mean, I know you can hit the right stick in to see what your bag is and what everything sort of turns into, but it's something that takes, like, a lot of grinding. And that's a supply depot, which every other building is sort of stuck behind once you get to, like, that middle part or early middle part of the game. And uh, and so, yeah, so it's just like, okay, well, um, I come back, and uh, I still don't have enough to unlock it. I guess I'll upgrade a building then because it's at least I'm getting something out of it. But then that's probably setting me back a little bit more from unlocking the building. And so I kind of got like sort of caught between that. Um, And I think, you know, part of it might also lead into sort of 
you know, the reason why I feel like I stalled out on the game was also because of the fact that I didn't enjoy the last two classes as much as the first class. Oh, let's dive into classes just a little bit later because we are going to have a heated discussion there, my friend. Uh, Casey, you once built a base in Torchlight 3. Did you like building out your town in this game? I thought it was actually kind of confusing. Like, I don't know if... I don't know. It just felt really random, I guess, more than anything. Like, yeah, I just the, stuck the, things yeah, the, in the, the next space over. The, like, the, literally no thought. The cool thing about Torchlight was, you know, certain... I guess it's the, certain tiles and stuff give you different bonuses and, and things for this too, but <laughs> it was very aesthetically pleasing in Torchlight. Like, you were making it actually look nice. And like you said, for this, it was just everything is completely random, and I had no idea if placing other buildings next to other buildings gave them additional bonuses because none of that is explained or anything like that. So for all I know, it did, and it, you just kind of gump your way into it. But <laughs> there's no, like, I just thought it was really kind of, confusing and i was just trying to go to the buildings and, and squares that unlocked heroes first for more than anything and then the healing uh the herbalist i believe it was called um i wanted to unlock that potion that, that gave you some healing on your loop as well that was like that was the first thing that i went for yeah, and then after that the then, best. I, then i went uh <laughs> for the characters and then yeah my, my placement was just completely random so long story short no it wasn't as fun as building your base in torchlight Bernsey, are you a big uh, base builder i know that when you play a game you like to see everything touch everything does that expand to the base building are you worried about min maxing your like captain's quarters in uh mass effect uh i mean i never played enough of mass effect to get to the point where i needed to min max my captain's quarters yeah i don't think you can actually adjust anything there as a terrible example <laughs> i realized i was talking myself into a corner <laughs> And the only lifeline was freaking Mass Effect. Uh, I mean, typically I do... So, like, for instance, like Suicoden. Um, it's fun building out the base. Now, granted, you're not selecting what goes where, per se. Um, but it's fun to see everything fill up the more you do things, right? You could have given me uh, 100,000 games to guess that we would draw a comparison to from Loop Hero. Yeah. Suicoden would not have been on that list. Yeah. Uh, so, but... I did... I. I don't know. Like, the, the base building was frustrating because that was always the bottleneck, right? I mean, that's the reason why you're going out on the loops to do things. And and so then it's like, oh, okay, I come back. Or or it's like that kick in the pants that it's like, oh, okay, I uh, died again. And uh, it looks like I can't really unlock anything. So it's back to the salt mines. Uh, I did, however, enjoy, like, Turning the game off and going loop. home. No, building out stuff within the loop, I thought was really fun and really interesting. And it's it's almost kind of sad because they showed that they could do stuff that was interesting and that allowed you to sort of build synergies with that part of the game. But they either didn't make it as they either didn't allow you to experiment enough with the base to be able to find those types of things, or they just didn't put that into there. It's almost like the base building was an afterthought. It's just like, well, develop this stuff, and when you come around to the campfire, you're going to get crap. Enjoy. Was it an afterthought, or was it artificially inserted to inflate the length of time it took for the game? Like One of the early buildings you unlock allows you to gain experience points, so you can level up and gain abilities for your hero. Is that really something that we had to put behind a resource gate, or should we have just been able to level up like every other RPG that this game borrows from? I mean, it's a good question. I, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, everything around the game is all about doing doing actions to get to gain some sort of resource 
Um, so you either kill monsters to get gear, or you build structures to either boost your stats or gather resources as you go through the various structures or buy the various structures. Uh, and, and that's kind of the whole gameplay loop. So they had to have something for all of those resources to go into down the line. Uh, otherwise, I don't know that going through the loop is as interesting if you're just watching experience points go up and that's really that's really it. So I, I feel like they needed something like that. I just don't feel like, at least as far as I am into the game, and from what you've said, it doesn't sound like it gets any better. It most assuredly does not. Okay, so it just it just feels like it just feels like that's something that they could have done more with, or something that could have been more rewarding or more interest and a more interesting aspect of the game um, than it actually ended up being. We talked about how fun it was actually placing tiles on the board and like building out the loop that your hero is battling through. That ties to a deck building mechanic here, unlocking cards throughout the game. Then you choose which cards you're going to put in your deck that comes into the adventure with you. Joey, how did you approach that deck building? How did you balance the uh, like the monster cards versus the terrain cards to try to optimize your runs? Um, I mean, really, I I, I would f just. When you call it a deck builder, that it, it throws me for a loop because there's so few options that it's not it's not much. There's not a whole lot of choice. It's like, oh, okay, I'm gonna add in the groves, so then I'll add in the blood groves. Or um, turns out blood groves are freaking clutch. They, I mean, they can definitely be. Um, you know, and for a while, I got used to kind of the setup that I had, and I just rolled with it. Um, you know, there's certain terrain types that annoyed me a lot more than others. Swamps, I'm guessing? <laughs> the one that annoyed me the most, actually, are wheat fields. <laughs> because, like, at least every third loop, I would have five wheat fields before I ever get a freaking village. And Ye that's annoying as heck. Villages are crucial because you heal when you walk through your villages. I think the only tile that will actually replenish your health between yep. in the middle of your loop. And you can put a wheat field on either side to boost the amount of healing that it does. But you can't place a wheat field without a village on the board. Yeah, and that would happen with blood groves a little bit. I would get one or two before I'd get my first grove. But with wheat fields, it was, it was just insane at times and so so that just <laughs> that annoyed me a bit to the point where i stopped playing with the wheat fields for a while because it's just like screw this noise but as you it doesn't really matter in the in the grand scheme of things because the cards just continue to fill up so right and and if you if it goes over the the edge they just get discarded and that's how you get your experience right so if you have five wheat fields and then you're who cares? Because they're going to cycle through eventually again, anyways, and you're gaining experience that, that you're going to end up with. It's, yeah, I'm sure it's, it's that opportunity like, cost, though. It's, <laughs> right, like, right. it's like how much more would it help if I actually got a freaking village? Much less that I have these five wheat fields taunting me, telling me, "Hey, guess how much you could have healed midway through the loop if you could have put down a village or two? Yeah, that would be that would be nice, wouldn't it? Too bad, silly American can't heal, can he?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm with Burns. Like each card has a purpose, and like the only times that I would fill up my hand of cards and have them start uh, burning for resources was if I was very close to the end of the run and like I needed to carefully balance the monsters that were going back on the board. Oh, that's funny. No, I did this all the time. Like I would just let it continually fill up and and keep my loop going because those 
the traits that you get from from leveling up are so helpful. So, <laughs> so you'd go to like level <clears throat> loop twenty two, just fighting slimes. No, 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 no. I would have like strategically placed things out there. One grove on this, yeah. but like on there was there a few, like you said, you stopped at, like loop five all the, the right. time. I would not stop until the monsters would get to like level ten or eleven every single time, and I don't know how long that was, but like. I got to a point where I wouldn't add anything else, like cause, because once you get to a certain point, the lich spawns it once you place yeah. enough things out there. So I would stop probably about 90% of the way through, and I wouldn't put another thing on there, and I would just keep going through the loop over and over and over and over again until I had three or four different traits. And then by that time, I was like, well, I got a whole lot of resources. My health is finally getting a little bit low. Maybe then I should end it. Or I would go on and fight the boss. But I would just continually let those cards just cycle through just gaining experience like i'd get three four five a time coming yeah. coming out of there after every battle so meanwhile you're holding your controller like a t-rex and probably like <laughs> whittling with your feet i'm not sure that uh <laughs> we play games the same way my friend i think i don't know i, mean, I think i played this one right i was gonna say it seems like you were a lot less frustrated than like either of us were so no, maybe I that is the right way to play it i mean i only i'm only 10 hours into it I beat the list. Yeah, I've, I've unlocked all three characters. Yeah, I know you're obviously super far. Oh, oh, but oh. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not to the frustration point let, let yet. <laughs> um, but I also don't mind grindy games. I don't know. Like, I've been playing Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes for five <laughs> years now or whatever that could is. And that's like super grindy. So, yeah. you so should for play me, Destiny, like, my friend. <laughs> You would be so, a beast. So, so I don't, I don't, I don't mind a little bit of grind. So I guess that's the difference because I bounced off of Galaxy of Heroes like ages ago uh, because the grind was just like pointless at that point. It felt like to me, uh, but like what I like about the cards are the like random synergies that you find with them. Uh, so, for instance, if you put nine rocks or mountains together, they form like I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a super mountain basically, and then that spawns harpies. Which I thought was, I don't know, it's just neat that finally you build all these things and then, oh, hey, it becomes this. Or the other thing that I noticed was, um, and I noticed it first with the treasuries, but it's basically any stone structure. If you put a meadow in the cardinal directions, it becomes like a blooming meadow, which is like double the HP regen at the start of your day, uh, which I thought was a super neat little thing to find. And then it's... Then it's like, okay, um, I, I got burned a couple too many times putting too many beacons around things. And, you know, once the monsters got, like, too numerous, they just slaughtered me. So then I started putting, like, the beacons out in, like, the Netherlands um, and putting meadows around them to get more of the blooming meadows. And um, because that's basically how I would approach the board is I would find, like, the two largest corners that had the most real estate one of them would be meadow corner the other one would be mountain corner and it's like all my rocks and mountains just go in in like a line and then build up around each other and the same with the meadows and then when i would get a treasury i would drop it and then like surround it and then just kind of go from there and just uh wait until you get trees and rivers my dude like no joke i was gonna say i didn't get it i i never i didn't unlock any of that stuff um trees are the most important card in the game they boost your attack speed for every one you put down really and what, then rivers will double the terrain tiles at their next deal what is it that you need to unlock in order to unlock those cards everything no no i mean what do you have to open up to get those like to what get the trees. gives you those cards? everything they're at the far ends of the building 
So you have to get to the end of the building and tree and art. Okay. Yeah. Which is also why you like the necromancer because the things that spawn the trees don't attack. What are they? They, they don't attack your hero. Yeah, they so only counterattack. Yeah. So like your 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 hero as the necromancer doesn't attack, only your skeletons do. So you actually never get hit playing against the tree people. Tree dudes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we move on to classes, Casey, how did you approach the deck building aspects? Um. Because I never played with the beacon. Like, I yeah. removed the beacon after, like, uh, fighting the lich. Yeah, I, I was the same with the beacon, where I only played with the beacon if I was playing as the necromancer, because then my skeletons got that 20% boost in attack speed, and I hated playing with the beacon as the warrior or the uh, uh, rogue, because you're just yourself, and there's constantly you're running into three, four enemies at a time, so they were the only ones that were really able to capitalize on that on that speed boost. So I unless, learned quickly that was a bad idea. Unless you get the road light posts or whatever the heck they're called. Yeah, you can put those around areas. Because yeah. that's what I would try to do is if I was laying down villages, I'd keep the beacons as far away from those as possible. Um, and any of the ones that kind of like either spawn like goblins or, or any of that stuff, I'd try to keep them like out of the way of those. Um, and then, uh, basically I'd, yeah, try to put those light posts down in a lot of those spots that would end up being like the monster closets. It didn't, I mean, it didn't always work. Um, and you'd still have like huge amounts of things. Did you guys use the uh, storm temple or whatever the heck it's called? I did for a little bit, but after it killed me a couple times, I'm like, yep, done with this. Yeah. It's a little annoying that it hits you as well as everything else kind of the same way, but if you're fighting large amounts of monsters, the percentages are higher that it's going to hit them than you. And, and if so you have an army like of skeletons, it's about even. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of the Necromancer, so... Oh, we're so close to getting into that. <laughs> it's the next thing on the show notes. Yeah, it's actually the previous thing, and I just glossed right by it. And, like, you keep I trying to transition into it like three times. And I'm just like, no! It around. Yeah! It's my show. Well, we have I'm show the notes hero. for if we're not following them. <laughs> We get very distracted, Burns. We get very distracted. <laughs> I have eight copies of show notes around me. They're all... <laughs> Casey, what was your favorite class to play? I think the Necromancer, for me, was the most fun. Yeah, you're right, um, Joey. But, but I used the, the warrior the most. The, the Necromancer uh, seemed more like build-dependent, where if I didn't get the right... What the heck is the book called? Uh, grimoire. Grimoire. If I didn't get the right grimoire and you know the right ring and and uh, necklace combinations, amulet combinations, um, it seemed like I would either die or have to retreat a lot faster with the necromancer than with the warrior. The warrior, there was a little bit more leeway where um, he's just easier to absorb damage um, with the warrior, so I could I could have a lot longer runs for farming with the warrior um like i said i usually always made it to i don't know how long the loops were but my monsters were always at level 10 or 11 with the warrior before i i would leave the loop with a necromancer it was always like i mean they were only like four or five unless i had some really really kick butt skeletons going good catch thank you <laughs> i uh i think this entire game and this is probably the biggest weakness for me in this entire game i think this entire game is build agnostic because the gear is so random and you're constantly flipping so much i found it impossible to try to focus on one kind of run like i wanted to do a warrior pure damage run could never like find pure damage on all of the gear i wanted to try a run where i did warrior damage to everything and like try to build up the monster closets and just wipe them all at once i wanted to do um necromancer runs with uh, as many skeletons as possible. That one I was kind of able to pull off, but I couldn't find any 
many like way to maximize the rogue and i it was a constant frustration with me bernsey are you with me on this point yeah i mean that's part of the reason why i didn't enjoy the necromancer because it kept Every time I played it, it kept feeling like it was throwing gear at me that I really didn't give a crap about. And it's like, just give me the stuff that either makes my skeletons more skillful, makes my skeletons stronger, or gives me more skeletons. I don't need any of this other garbage. Like, I don't care Regen and evasion for the win. Yeah, or defense. Like, I don't really give a squat about that. I want my things to hit hard so that I don't have to worry about defense, right? Uh, I mean, the amulets are usually good for getting your magic barrier up. And once you get that up to a certain level, for a while, you're pretty good. Um, the problem is when you can't re- you can't generate enough skeletons to stay ahead of the attacks coming in, right? Um, and so I think that's where that's where like the gear got most frustrating for me was because there would be so many times as the necromancer that it felt like I wasn't getting the right gear to make it as good as it could have been. Um, and so that's why I always, that's why the warrior is my favorite class. And I mean, <laughs> I also don't understand why everybody starts with warrior gear. <laughs> if you're a different class like it unless there's something you unlock later that gives you you like, upgrade the armory or whatever the uh, I think it. it's the armory got it and so so I guess then that makes sense like that there's your there's your carrot unlock it so you you know start with gear that makes sense for your character instead of just letting it sit there to die or to get composted into your your uh, you know little gear circles farm. at the top yeah. of the ski or screen um, so and, and <laughs> part of me really liked the rogue at first just because it was the Ron Popeil of classes. <laughs> Don't Because it's just you set it and forget it. And you go all the way around your loop. Then you get your bunch of gear. You look at it at that point. Put it in. Whatever fits. And then just run again. You don't have to worry about gear till you get to the camp again. I think that's an interesting idea. I also thought that, oh, that's really neat. It's like, oh, okay. I pick all my stuff and see if I survive. But the problem is I rarely survived. Yeah. Rogue was hard. It's because it's because they don't have enough defense, really, right? Yeah, and, that's, and they can't regen. Your glass gets, cannon, yeah, and yeah. you just like it's nice because you get to dual wield, but and deal a whole lot of damage. But yeah, like not being able to upgrade as you're doing your run, having to wait for the campfire ends up being, I think, a detriment to it more than anything in the end because it it was it was really tough to play with the rogue. I thought I try to run with the rogue. Uh, at some point, you can unlock the arsenal as a tile you can place on the board, and that gives you an extra inventory slot. And for the rogue, it gives you the amulet, so you get the yeah, magic shield. Nice. Uh, this was after I unlocked trees and rivers. I'm like, I'm going to make this zombie as fast as possible. I'm going to build up that magic shield as much as I can and see if I can survive with the rogue. Same deal, couldn't survive. Even with a magic shield, even with as much as fast as attacks as possible and the highest percentage for critical hit as possible, uh, the rogue just didn't seem viable to me. I yeah. played probably 85% necro, 10% warrior, 5% rogue. The rogue was the first class I fought the lich as because I didn't, first off, I didn't understand what was going on. If the game explained like that was what was triggering the boss, I missed that no they didn't because it's the first time i fought the lich too i was just like oh well i don't want to end my loop yet i don't know why it's giving me an option to retreat right now it's like well <laughs> let's keep going it's like oh boss fight get my butt kicked yeah lose yeah. a lot of resources great yeah. fun game but then the next time i the next time i played i went as a warrior and i i slayed the lich relatively easily i i, I had him down to like a third health as the rogue before i before i got killed um you know that first time i fought him but um i don't know i i think 
I, yeah. I, I just, I feel like it kind of falls into what you were saying, Tom, is that the gear is so random that it's really hard to try to specialize on certain things with it. And that, I think, does become a detriment to the game in some ways, um, unless there is some way to unlock that you could mitigate that in, in some way, shape, or form down the line. And as far as I can tell, you can't. And I can just picture Jim listening to this and just rolling his eyes <laughs> and saying, like, yeah, there's an element of randomness. Like, it's not going to line up every time. I played this game for 20 hours. No ass. I played 20 hours. Uh-huh. I never felt like I had an optimal build, ever, in all that time. That is a lot of time walking around <laughs> in a circle, dude. Uh, but I did play the Necro most. I beat the first three bosses with the Necro. Uh, the Lich, I kind of stormed through them. I would often... It all depended on the level-up traits that I got. There were two that were particularly valuable. One gives your skeletons an extra .25 level every time you complete a loop. So if you don't get that one of the first two mm-hmm. uh, level-ups, guess what? It's a five-loop resource run. Uh, the other one that you need in that first five is one where every time a skeleton, every time you summon a skeleton, you get .5 magic shield. So like if you can get those two as your first two level ups, that could potentially be a boss run of things fall the right way. And then you interesting. I like the one where it divided all the damage done between all the the skeleton and the the necromancer. Also helpful, but for me it had to be one of those first two first like if I didn't get those two locked by the time I would get to a higher level and like get the one where the level of the skeleton goes up every loop uh if i didn't hit that early it just wasn't valuable enough towards the end of the run see and i felt horde was the strongest horde ability. is that's the one where you potentially you start, summon two extra no or? you start with like when you start the loop at the campfire you start with like whatever you're like two or three of them and they stay until they get killed and if you could get that with the one that allows them to if they kill a monster regenerate it's kind of like you're just running through the majority of your loop with, you know, those three or two or three starting um, skeletons, which I thought was, it made me feel the most powerful as that character than any of the other classes. And then I knew I had a problem once they died, and it was like, oh, okay, things are just, like, chewing through me. Um, probably re- I run. guess I'd never use that one. Um, Each you- loop they respawn. So but once but you-, you don't, like, once they die, they don't respawn? No, well, then no, you summon regular ones. During the loop? It's oh, just your normal. Okay. It's just like the normal ones. But these ones, they stay. And they after between battles, they retain. Like And as you're moving around the loop, like they're skeletons following you on the map. Oh, really? As you go around, <laughs> yeah. And then as they die off, there's fewer skeletons following you around. That's But they, they, they retain their health between loops and, you know, continue fighting. Um, which, I, I don't know, it was an interesting one, I thought. And that was probably the strongest one uh, of the of the level ups that I had for the necromancer at least. One of my favorite moments I had six skeletons on my team. Nice. So like it fills up the circle around you and then like it opens a panel on the left for extra skeletons and they become ranged skeletons. Oh, interesting. Oh, nice. It's kind of neat. So I beat the first two bosses on relatively <clears throat> normal runs. I get to the third boss with the necromancer and I'm pretty well set up and um you can unlock crossbowmen, which shoot arrows at the first two tiles. I'm like, all right, I'm going to smoke this boss this time. So I go, I fight the boss, and I beat him. But I had set ruins right next to the campfire. And uh, ruins produce these worm enemies, and they also shoot from range. So I had four, <laughs> four worms shooting fire at me from the far right side of the screen. So I killed the boss. Worms kill me. <laughs> Story doesn't progress. Uh-huh. So, all right. Brutal. Well, I'm done with this game forever. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how did it all come together for you guys? Bernsey, what lessons did you learn walking this endless loop? 
yeah, I mean, I, I learned more lessons talking about it than I did playing the game. So I guess there's something in that. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's a positive and a negative of the game, I guess. Um, as the game goes on, you either push it to get more materials, so push it one more loop to try to get more materials, or you grind for piddly stuff that you don't need over and over again until it piles up to enough you need. And to me, that just became a little bit more of a frustrating grind than something that was enjoyable like it was early in the game. I found a sweet spot, kind of with my five loop runs with that. Relatively decent rewards without too much work. In general, do you like push-your-luck mechanics in games? Like, Can you think of a push-your-luck mechanic that you particularly enjoy? Um... That's a good question. I'm trying to think. Of yeah, I can't even think of one game with a pusher. Not to this mechanic. level, and it's like, and I guess knowing that the loss if you're mid loop and just and nope out isn't as stringent, because um, it was just hard because it's just a lot of circles with numbers on them, and and it's just like oh, I, uh, you know, um, and so so yeah, I. I can't think of another game that has that level, a video game anyway, that has that level of push your luck as to whether you can... And I think the first loop, like, area, I think it's it's fine, but it's so much more detrimental as you get to the at least the second loop, which is as far as I made it. I didn't beat the second boss, so... And Casey, what uh, lessons did you learn on the mean streets of Loop Hero? That I shouldn't push it when I think I should more than anything. <laughs> just don't put any monster tiles down. You can just no, run around like... like Daytona. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's my problem is that I would get into trouble. Like once you get up into level 10 or 11, the monsters get pretty, pretty yeah. difficult. And, uh, you always think, Oh, I got enough vampirism. I got enough heal over time. I got, you know, like, and you don't usually so that's i learned i learned that the hard way a, a couple times because by that point in time like you have a buttload of resources too so losing 70 percent and when you try to push it a little bit and you just get smoked by a f- four goblins mm-hmm. it's freaking it's goblins like, they're so yeah. fast it's just maddening yeah the goblins got me a lot and like it's better they get to just use an oblivion and just smoke them too. So that's another yeah. thing that I learned is that if you have an oblivion and there's four goblin bad guys or spiders didn't usually seem to be too bad. It was goblins, the skeletons. If there was a vampire that ended up getting in there with them, could be really, really, really hard too. But vampires um, give so much experience. You got to plop those mansions down everywhere. I know, but yeah, what I it, it's just there's a very delicate balance and, and once you get to a certain point it's better to just retreat because those resources are extremely important uh to build to build things in town and that's how you get better and end up winning this game i think you guys would uh chuckle at my build i unlocked the uh towers or whatever gives you crossbowmen they shoot the first two tiles so i literally pile everything everything i can on those first two tiles both before and after the campfire <laughs> so they just just get shot by the crossbowmen. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so I have an army of skeletons, two crossbowmen helping out, and uh, you get oodles of experience, and if you're not playing as the rogue, a fair amount of gear, and uh, I don't know, except for placing the runes next to the campfire. This whole world is chaos, and my advice <laughs> to someone starting it is just don't think too hard. Just grip it and rip it. Like, throw some stuff down and uh, mow through some monsters. Yeah, I just, like, I don't know. I just wish that there was more... 
I wish there stuff. could be. I wish there could be more strategy around like the gearing in some way, shape, or form. Unless, unless there's some like secret algorithm as to if you use these amounts of cards for your environment that you're putting down in the loop, it's going to net more of these types of gear. Like, if there's that level of thing, it, it didn't become apparent to me, but if there was, that would be interesting. And as we were talking, I was just thinking, I wonder if it makes more sense to play with, like, fewer of the cards because you don't have to play with the max of 12. Is it better to play with just eight? Yeah, I have. I played with it. some smaller decks when I specifically wanted other resources or didn't want too much of a challenge. Uh, I'm up to 15 cards in my deck. Oh, okay. Isn't there a town square that has unlocks crafting so do you get the craft equipment? Like, I uh, guess I didn't get to that point. There's uh, there's like a supplying system. So there's like four different categories of items. There's food, there's furniture, there's two other things that escape me. And you have like 15 boxes for each of them. And as you're adventuring, you'll occasionally find one of these items that'll slot in there. Like you can find garlic, which will increase the damage you do to vampires. You could find shoe tacks that do something dumb. Or you could find the ancient mirror, which ups your damage versus bosses. So you can both <laughs> craft... You can use resources to randomly craft an item like that, or you could break down those items to get other resources, which was occasionally helpful when I needed a uh, bronze orb of whatever. <laughs> I could see what would break down in the bronze orb. It's like, oh, well, I hope you're not a useful item because you're gone forever now. Okay, um, so you don't get to craft, like, items for your characters. It seems like it's more artifacts that, like, give you bonuses against certain things. Yeah, it's more like passive buffs. Uh an interesting thing, you have your character board with all the potential inventory that you can wear. There's a lot of stuff left to be unlocked there. Like, each character has, like, a full slot of stuff, but you only get, for the warrior, sword, armor, um, and boots and shield, or maybe just sword, armor, and shield to start. And then if you play the arsenal, you can also get a helmet. So there's another ring slot. There's other things that look like they should be available, and I don't know if you just have to keep upgrading the armory to get those, but... I'm 20 hours in. I feel like I should understand how to get the most gear in my character. So what? Because so you never beat the third boss completely. You took him down, but then the fire worms shot you. Okay. Yep. So didn't get credit for it. So I don't know exactly what comes next. Uh, but I think I might be done with this game. Yeah. I think uh, Casey. Well, I'm done with this game. Casey, what are your overall thoughts, final impressions, and takeaways from Loop Hero? I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm 10 hours in, um, and I really feel like I've only scratched the surface so far. Uh, it would be, I think, a, a great mobile game if they could somehow figure out how to put everything on a smaller screen. Yeah, I did really enjoy actually playing it on the deck uh, using the Xbox Cloud Gaming service. That was a lot of fun. And as like a bite-sized thing, I'm right there with you. Like, it is a lot of fun to do a run. It is less fun to think how the f am i going to beat this freaking game and what else do i have to unlock and how the hell do i get cosmic orbs there's no mage type enemies what are you telling me encyclopedia <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think you know with the with the grindy aspect of it it would be nice to just hop on on your phone do a, a loop you know do a run or two and then that's it yeah, like you would you would slowly accumulate those resources necessary over time and it wouldn't make it as bad of a grind instead of just sitting down for three four hours at a time and going through it Bernsey this your game of the year or what <laughs> no um, I, I I really enjoyed the beginning like I was talking about before once I figured out how to get around a game breaking bug that I kept getting what um, uh, what bug did you run into so and you were I, playing it, on the Xbox Series S. It correct? must just be on the Series S. But if you have the game, if you have your console set to 4K UHD, you know, which you know, if it's supposed to be 4K, like why wouldn't you have it set to that? There was this consistent 
like every like five to seven second screen flicker where the screen would go black and then come back on. <laughs> and like the first like two times I tried to play the game, it like kept doing that. I was like, what in the world? And so finally I went, I, I searched online and stuff like that. And some people said that they turned the 4K off. And so I basically had to switch the console back to 1080p so that it wouldn't do it. And thankfully that, you know, stopped doing it at that point. I should try that with Marvel Avengers. <laughs> I think you ran into a much different problem. Can I play this in SD? So no, like you you have the solution, Tom, as to how to as to how to actually continue in that game. You just got to delete your save file and start over. Yeah, or it's go go and find their servers at Crystal Dynamics and hit it with a real big hammer. Well, I mean, the game's like on maintenance mode at this point. Uh, Crystal Dynamics isn't even owned by Square Enix anymore, and so I don't know. I, I think they've all moved past Marvel Avengers, so it's probably time that uh, that you should too, Tom, maybe. Yeah, I will, uh, I will forgive, but I will never forget, Burns. <laughs> I will never forget. But, so back to your game of the year, Loop Hero. Yeah, it just game of the century. It, you know, it hit. It just it hit. I hit this like wall of grinding that just got frustrating. And like talking about it, I have a couple of different things I could try to get around it. And there's, you know, it's possible that once I get through this little bit of a holdup, that things would like start to go more smoothly again, and I would get into it again. Um, I guess it's in some ways similar to like a FromSoft game in that point where sometimes you're just going to be frustrated with it and you just need to take time away from it for a while. And then once you go back, then you're like, oh, yeah, I do like this game. Um, I don't know that it's going to be to that level with Loop Hero, but, I mean, I'm glad I played it because it was an interesting experience and it's, I mean, it's a unique game in its own right. Yeah, no, definitely unique. There's nothing else quite like it. Uh, I often thought of... Uh Enter the Gungeon when I was playing this mm-hmm. game. And it's like, I'm more fun with this probably than Enter the Gungeon. Like, Enter the Gungeon had some weird and wacky stuff. I guess I like not having the dexterous elements of it. It's like, can I outsmart this loop or not? Hmm. Am I going to build myself into a corner? If you want to add dexterousness to it, you should play <laughs> with a controller with drift. That's, 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 that's what I played my first probably two hours on. And I was like... <laughs> I don't know. I should have just turned the controller off and grabbed one of the other two that was sitting right next to me. But it was That's just a lot like, of work. It was so... That's, the cemetery ended up four so, squares yeah. to the left. Oh, my gosh. And, like, trying to select the cards at the bottom. We're just, like... I'd go down there, and, like... I, so I was trying to use R1, R2, and I would hit R1, and it would just, like, scroll through, like, every single one. I'm like, God dang it! Like, what the heck is going on? And then, yeah, like, I'm hitting B, and it's, like, flipping through everything. It was like, oh, my gosh. It was so... Ridiculous, but yes, dexterity was needed for that because I'm like, all right, it's there, quick, hit the spot. Thankfully, you're good at everything, dude. Otherwise, that would have been just a wretched experience. Anything else you guys want to say about Loop here? Oh, I don't. I thought it was fun. I would play it again. I don't think I probably will because we're gonna move on to the next game. But I would, I would keep playing if if it was on my phone. Aren't you gonna say your standard line about going back to it? No, I haven't said that for a while, and I've never gone back to a single game that I've said that about. Did you, so, did you try playing it uh, like cloud gaming at all? Because I know you've played some of the other games cloud gaming wise. Um, it requires a controller. Okay. Yeah. So, I've it, there's no built-in controller on on the phone for this one. It actually requires you to Bluetooth in a, a controller. Interesting. Cause it'd be funny if it would just let you do touch screen, so you could just 
drag the stuff. Yeah, you want to, you'd think that would be okay. Yeah, it works really well with a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are moving on from Loop Hero. Next month, for Game Pass Forever, we play Chicory. Chicory, am I saying that right? That's right. Sorry. No, Chicory. Yeah, Chicory, great. Chicory is a top-down adventure game in a coloring book world full of vibrant characters. Using painting powers to explore, solve puzzles, make friends, and draw on anything from the creators of Wandersong and Celeste. Casey, you put this game up. Uh, why were you interested in Chicory? I just thought it sounded way different than anything that we've played. We've played adventure games. We've played RPGs before, but the coloring your way through a black and white world is, is something that just sounded very... Uh, very cool and very interesting. Yeah, and Epic Mickey wasn't an option, so uh, this was the next best thing, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> or the Blob. I don't yeah. know what the Blob is. <laughs> A couple of Wii games that involve color. Brinzy, what's your level of anticipation for Chicory? I don't know why I'm looking at the show notes. It's not on there. It's like, oh, here's a prop I can stare at intently. For a second, I thought you were just looking at the back of the show notes. <laughs> it was just a blank sheet, and you're just like, this is my script. I'm reading from nothing. It's making all to- all sorts of sense. Uh, I'm excited to play Chicory. It's, it's one of those that I've heard a lot about. A lot of people, this was like... You know, their indie game of the year, what was it, two years ago when it came out? Um, You know, similar to Loop Hero for a lot of people. Um, It's very different, very different type of game. Um, Is this just the year of Loop Hero? And why on earth aren't patrons, like, selecting my games? Like, thinking of the top games last year, Jedi Fallen Order, that was a Tom title. Uh, Immortals Phoenix Writing, that was a Tom title. (laughs) You did it again, always. (laughs) (laughs) The third place game, That I'm pretty sure that was me too, like... Casey, how do you keep winning these votes? It's driving me crazy. I don't know. I just go on to the Xbox Game Pass games page and scroll scroll, randomly. Scroll until I see one that I like, and I click on it and I read about it, and I'm like, oh, that seems kind of cool. I'll put that one up. You know, and (laughs) from from my perspective, I am glad that we didn't get Torment Tides of Numenera. I mean. I'm excited to play that game at some point, but not in the month where I have to play Elden Ring and Final Fantasy 16. I do not have time to play a top-down 100-hour RPG. I don't think it's 100-hour. I thought it was like 8 or 9 hours. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought this one was much more like uh, novel-based. I should uh, actually yeah. look that up, because I thought it would be a pretty reasonable ask with the other stuff that we have going on with OAO. I don't know. Most of those other games like that tend yeah. to be pretty hefty, but I could be wrong. But... I don't think that this was necessarily like a Baldur's Gate follower i think it was set it was a spiritual successor to torment from which was a similar right. style game back in the day but i think this is a wildly different more cinematic more narrative experience is it from the people that made pillars of eternity i don't think so oh, okay i could be wrong on that then too yeah uh apparently i don't know anything about games though so <laughs> <laughs> we'll see it's just all luck of the draw like people pick people pick things that sing to them at that point or or games that they've played that they're really excited for other people to play i don't know it's just or, the way it is. Or they're fans of the show and they realize Casey's never played a video game before. They're like, oh, <laughs> what direct did you find this month? Yeah, that's how I get a little bit more Metal Hellsinger up in this bee. <laughs> Which, oddly enough, today when I had my Xbox on, it randomly popped up that uh, Metal Hellsinger's uh, ESRB rating changed to Mature 17+. plus. Randomly today, oh, for really? some reason, yeah. I don't know why. But, cool, uh, they, they patched in some boobs. Great, <laughs> demon boobs. Demon boobs. If you enjoy this content, please back our show on Patreon. Who this doesn't? standalone segment. Who doesn't? This standalone segment, Game Pass Forever, is tied to a specific tier of support. 
Back us for as little as $2 a month. Check it out at patreon.com slash OIO. Thank you so much for listening. Stay inside, kids. <laughs>